You are listening to Ultra Q, episode 27. Uh, my name is Red. I am joined by Mel. Hello. And I am joined by Vrazen. Hi. I think I understand now why I was judo thrown last weekend. Uh, I think that was a special agent who thought I was an alien. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, understandable. Yeah. Uh, coming up, old friendships, sick spy shit, and the lingering curse of Ultraman... Uh, the alien is always the bad guy. Uh, but before any of that... That's just Ultra, Ultra 7, to be honest. Uh, that's just, you know, it's, it's, it's how Ultra be. Um, the, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, for now, I just want to say, I don't, uh, once again, I have not done loads <laughs> this week. Uh, but, um... The th- the thing is, the thing is, so the, I beat Final Fantasy 2. I don't really have, like, a massive urge to, to go in-depth about Final Fantasy 2, other than it was pretty sick. Um, that was a pretty good video game. Uh, the Emperor is cool. He kicks ass. Um, and uh, the, th- the thing that I want to do is I want to figure out, because I've Armored Core 6 comes out on the 25th of August... Um, and I just need to clear up what it is I have left in the, left to do, what my backlog is before I get into that. So it's Dragon's Dogma. It's... I love how you're the typing as you're doing this. Okay. Uh... It's, yeah, 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 yeah. It's Dragon's Dogma. It's... The rest of the A Realm Reborn patch quests, as well as a bunch of Realm Reborn just bullshit, um, with, like, uh, fucking raids and stuff. Um, uh, and then, you know, before kicking in Heavensward, uh, I started playing, I'm not gonna get, maybe I will, uh, I started playing ages ago now and just every day i look at my 3ds and think yeah i'll i'll you know i'll play that today and i don't uh, shin megami tensei 4 <laughs> <laughs> uh so those are like the three big things uh also books um i started reading the first tanya the evil light novel it's not very light the fucking book 
it's just a novel. Um, and also reading uh, A History of the Kings of uh, Britain um, with Geoffrey of Monmouth. Those are, those are the things. Those are the things. Um, and then 25th of August, Armored Core 6 comes out and uh, that will be my life. Um, uh, I'm... I am going to be in Chicago that weekend and like I am the normal part of my brain is going to be like I'm going to be enjoying uh, a fun weekend with friends some of whom I'm meeting in person for the first time after being friends for the with them for 10 years and then the other part of me is like you know what else has been 10 years since (laughs) the last Harvard core (laughs) Uh, I'm going to be in uh, Japan that weekend uh, but also I haven't played in the armor core uh, um, spoilers, spoilers, I'm not going to be on the next two episodes, by the way. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I did technically lie a little bit when I said I didn't have anything to talk about. I did record some more footage of armored, old Armored Core, because I... Listen, there is a cottage industry of YouTube videos now about Armored Core. And... I'm going to play I'm going to play Armored Core 1 the way it was meant to be played on this original hardware. Let me boot up the game without reading the manual. Oh my god, it doesn't tell me what buttons to press. <laughs> Idiot. Listen. Moron. Um While I, I appreciate yeah. the enthusiasm people have for the series now, I I feel like we can go deeper, and maybe, maybe I need to be the change I want to see in the world. So, uh, I, I needed some more footage of, uh, I, honestly, I've had my AC1 footage on lock for a little while now, um, but I'm, I'm replaying, well, I replayed Project Phantasma, which, you know, takes a day, um, and, uh, I, I've since moved on to Master of Arena, um, Project Phantasma, I think is a better game than people give it credit for, it's also kind of weird and short, but, you know. Stinger is just the funniest man. We have talked about Stinger on this podcast before. <laughs> I don't think people appreciate how funny of a man he is. I'm gonna email my nemesis and tell him to meet me outside. You you get the final mission briefing and the in all caps the word "this is not a request" show up on your screen. Ah, <laughs> uh, what a One what a funny I'll man. Understand. Uh, I am still curious about Red's takes on FF2's gameplay. Uh, it's good. I am too. Uh, it's like uh, I you know I I get why people sort of look at it and go, ah, oh, this is stupid. Um, but also you know I get why people think a lot of wrong things. Um, I you know I just th- that I think it's fun that when I get a spell, it costs like no matter what how powerful a spell it will end up being, it will cost one mana to cast it until I level it up to level two, and then it will cost two MP to cast it, and then I level it up to level three, and it will cost three, etc., etc. Um, and I thought that was cool. And I thought that, you know, my the one thing about Final Fantasy II that seems like genuinely enraging is, like, that all of this is hidden. <laughs> like, so much of the game is, like, hidden. Um... Like, you know, what is black and white magic? I don't... It's like, it's like, oh, here's some general rules about what black magic is going to be and what white magic is going to be. It's like, okay, well, is this spell black magic? Because it seems like it should be black magic. No, it's white magic. Oh, well, uh, I put it on 
my black magic character. Uh, so that sucks. Oh, well. Um, and, uh, but, uh, mostly I just, I just thought it was good. I, I, obviously I played, I did not play like the original version of the game. Um, and I did not play the pixel remaster. I played the PSP version, which, uh, might be easier i don't know it might yes. be like a, I mean, bre- a breezy I know game that version has uh mana instead of like spell charges i think i believe that's also true of the i don't think any version of ff2 has the charges okay okay because i know ff1 has spell yeah, charges but one, has, one and three are the only spell charges slots. okay proper D spell slots mm-hmm. that's incidentally how sweet code works which is interesting but mm. Vancian spellcasting. Uh, if it was truly Vancian spellcasting, wouldn't you just cast a spell and then not be able to cast it anymore? Uh, kind of, yeah. But in terms of tabletop RPG parlance, <laughs> we have decided to use the term Vancian spellcasting oh, for spell slots. I see. I see. <laughs> ah, okay, that's okay. Um. Anyway. Uh. The um. The the really good bit of final fantasy 2 is that uh well first of all i play final fantasy 1 and i'm like oh it's final fantasy all of final fantasy is here and then i play final fantasy 2 and i was like oh okay this is the rest of final fantasy the rest of final fantasy is here in this game uh there's the evil empire there's the the you know the kingdom the good kingdom is gonna beat the evil empire and uh it's just cool it's just a really cool version of that because like the empire is like a threat it's like constant like by the end, you know, I don't, you know, I don't. It, does, can you spoil Final Fantasy Two? Is that a thing that can I be... think you surprisingly kind of can? Yeah. Okay. I guess I won't. Point is, the Empire is a threat. Uh, also, oh, also, the rotating fourth member of the cast is really cool. <laughs> I think it's cool. I, I have, I have a complicated relationship to Final Fantasy Two. Um, in that you like the saga games. <laughs> yes, and here's my like my thing, and I know that I for, for for most things in my life I am not this way because I view Final Fantasy II as like okay this was the base that like Kawazu who was very influential in the design of FF2 would go on and use that as like a base to create Saga which is a series I like a lot. Um, the problem is I feel like Saga One is such a, like, an upgrade to what FF2 was trying to do, and part of that is it just lets it, like, FF2, I feel like, is still a little constrained by the assumptions and and the the gameplay that was set up in FF1 in a way that I I find it a little annoying to actually play in execution, just because I don't think that all of the ideas are really crystallized there yet. Saga just goes crazy with it, and has, like, a weird monster, like, transformation evolution mechanics for your party members and like status effects are wild in that game like you can just poison a lot of bosses in that game to death because poison does a shit ton of damage it's a wild game and ff2 is like setting up the foundation for that but just doesn't quite get there um i think the story so of the nes trilogy it ff2 is definitely the one that i think gets the most praise for its story um I think the Emperor is a strong villain. I think a lot of the actual, like, plot beat to plot beat stuff is is fine, but I don't really love it. And I, I do kind of wish that... 
Every time you get a fourth person in that party, you know what's going to happen to them. And I kind of wish there was just a little more variety. <laughs> I mean, but. I mean, you say that, but no, because, you know, there's a uh, what's her face is f- she's fine. She's absolutely fine. Uh, uh, the end of the game. Um, oh, that's true. Uh, I, I, I think it's just, uh, you know, obviously it's not like, it's not like plot, plot. There's, but there's, uh, enough here that's like, um, I genuinely just kind of cool. You know, you know, Rickard is the, Rickard's the, he's the, he's the last dragoon. And, uh, he's, he's promised to, you know, say like, oh, I'm gonna, gonna create, recreate the dragoons again. It'll be cool. Um, I think you would find that there are more dragoons in the Final Fantasy series after this. Uh, <laughs> indeed there are. I'm playing one <laughs> in FF14 sometimes. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the other thing about, the, you know, reason I'm playing the, the PSP version is, one, uh, it's easy to do because I've just got to, I've just got to PS Vita, and um, I realize obviously that means it's easy to play any version of the game if you you know if you know. I I realize the meme is the 3DS is very easy to hack, but before it was the 3DS was very easy to hack. It was the Vita. <laughs> the the Vita you to hack my Vita TV. I'm pretty sure I opened up the system's browser and went to a URL and clicked hack my Vita. <laughs> it's very easy. <laughs> Uh, it was a it was a little I'm more okay involved should, than I'm that okay for me. I wish I had a Vita TV just because it'd be useful for capturing footage. But mm. it is surprisingly that. annoying to you need a splitter because the HTCP is brutal on that thing. Oh, gross! Uh, yeah, the thing I'm uh, the the thing I'm you know I can't believe all three Vita owners are in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I could uh, I could because I'm playing. The, PSP version, I could play the what is it, the Soul of Rebirth stuff, um, which is uh, about it's a whole thing, uh, it's a post game thing, uh, but yeah, I I just uh, I think uh, Final Fantasy II pretty good video game. Um, obviously, if I play Saga and it's just better, uh, then I might feel some way about Final Fantasy II a little differently. Who knows? Uh, See, I think I'm in the minority. I think most Saga fans love FF2 as well. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's because I played Saga first and going backwards felt weird to me. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, okay. But, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd probably play FF2 before I played I, Saga again. I, I think also part of it is I just like FF1 and FF3 a lot for very different reasons. Uh, and two just like doesn't hit the same for me for whatever reason. Uh, well, I've got, I you know I'm I'm setting up to play FF three, but probably not right now because I've got other things to do. <laughs> three is um, kind of one again, and it, three is weird because it's a halfway step between one and five. And I know it's I got fe- the jobs. They put the jobs. Yeah, in Yeah, I'm wondering. I'm wondering yeah. how much I'd actually enjoy three, just because it feels like. It seems like people talk about it like it's just a less good version of 5. It, it is. I also ha- I have what I would describe as an irrational passion for FF3. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but like... I got... Uh, can I uh, tell you what the uh, raids, uh, the three raids are in uh, A Realm Reborn? I already know. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. Uh, I, I, I've long since known about that and I was like... That was for me. 
nobody else cares about this. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you also why no one else cares about, about this is uh, those raids have been rendered uh, completely just the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, yeah, 3 has like really... Honestly, I feel this with both FF1 and FF3. Like, the stories are pretty generic fantasy fare, but when they take swings and, like, kind of do some more, like, I guess, like, cosmologic, like, contemplating the nature of the world or just, like, playing around with stuff like time travel or, like, mortality, they they shockingly get, like, a little, like, profound in places that I find really interesting, but it's very easy to overlook because these are, like, a couple of sentences in a much lot like broader story um, yeah I, I i have described one as having as much plot as a jrpg needs yeah uh, which you know which is to say uh you can make a jrpg with with no plot very little plot uh in fact do uh if you if you're uncertain about whether you're good at writing a jrpg plot uh don't <laughs> you know <laughs> Um, I, you know, Raiden Historia would be the greatest, I've said this on this podcast, Raiden Historia, amazing video game, if it didn't have characters. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is so fascinating to me how, like, you beat FF1, and then you get, like, the ending crawl, and it's like, this is shockingly melancholy for what just happened. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. FF2 ending, actually FF1? very good, too. Leon is one of the funniest little men in 8-bit JRPGs. He's good. Once I play FF1, I'll understand the Stranger of Paradise pipeline. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well, that's me. I'm. 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 You know. I'm. I'm. I'm gaming. I guess I can wrap up my non-week by saying that aside from like recording some Project Phantasma stuff, which was such a like uneventful thing, I almost forgot to talk about it. Uh, my rent went up, and I got mad. I got busy with work, and that made me kind of upset. Uh, I bought a power rack, which is like a little piece of exercise equipment, and then I realized that to have that comfortably fit in my living space, I did basically needed to reorganize my entire bedroom. Uh, I'm almost done, uh, but this is just like a this is just a not fun week. This is just a kind of get your shit together week. Fuck landlords. Yeah. <clears throat> True. You, you know, okay, you know what, I, I complained about this to you too, but I feel like the people at home need to know about the unhinged letter that I got saying that my rent was going up by $35 a month plus $25 in additional charges, which means that my rent is going up $60 a month, but they worded it in the stupidest way possible. And when I called to ask what the additional charges thing were, they, they listed a bunch of optional things that I don't use, like like an additional parking space, um, a, a pet, uh, like random, st- like like hookup for like cable, t- like all that stuff or whatever, which is like stuff that was offered to me when I first signed my lease here. And then they didn't. I was like, I, I don't use that stuff. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna need any of this or whatever. And then they didn't charge me for it. Now that's just getting baked in. And I was like, well, can I resign and not have those additional charges for that stuff? I'm not gonna have any use for. And she was like, no. She was like, no. Uh, that that also covers uh, utilities. And I was like, I don't believe you, but okay. <laughs> uh, fuck. Landlord. This is a this is a fuck landlords podcast. This is a fuck landlords podcast. If you're a landlord, uh, hit pause, uh, close the audio right now, uh, leave. Yeah. Uh, 
insert other verbs here. Unless you want to uh, donate to uh, the coffee for acquisition of uh, uh, media. You need yeah. to, yes, donate to the coffee as penance and also reduce your your uh, yeah. tenants' rents. Actually, do that first and then give us money. No, do 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 it the way you said it. For, no, I'm joking. Uh, you have to have mm-hmm. some principles. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's been my not fun week. Hopefully, next week more fun. Yeah. Uh, Mel, what's Hello. up? I haven't been up to too much either myself, just because my parents were here for much of the week, and also I spent this week going like, uh, I'm going on a trip to japan in two weeks and so i need to make sure i am (laughs) prepared for things in advance Mm -hmm. uh such as watching ultra 7 and also well i was going to watch the zeta all the zeta new translation stuff but i haven't got to the second two yet (laughs) is that because the first one was a uh like a physical shock to the system yes Mm -hmm. Uh, it seems that way that's why i'm not gonna watch them (laughs) Uh, I feel like I have listen I for some reason I watched all of Destiny for podcast reasons so I'm gonna do this with the new translation <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'm like I'll never forgive that? Tomino for naming that second movie Lovers and then the third one Love is the Pulse of the Stars come different names yeah can't you use Love the, twice I saw you know I think a lot of it is I finish the first movie and had like an aneurysm over it but also uh, they did the teaser for the movie. Also, made me go lose my mind in terms of why are you doing this? Why is this title card with lovers with like uh, Beltorchka and four posing like they're Charlie's Angels or something? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this, this looks so goofy. <laughs> why? It's, uh, it's actually the second a new translation um, uh, movie is is actually a, a prequel uh, to. Uh, Macross 2 Lovers Again. Ooh. Oh. That's a thing I haven't thought about in forever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think about Macross too much. Which, to be fair, most Macross fans don't. Oh, I no. can. What was the main character's name in that again? I just I don't realized. Fucking no. I don't remember. <laughs> like. Uh. Uh. uh he's, yeah. I've, let's see. Hmm? Hibiki uh, Kanzaki. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Oh, and also Ishtar. Yes, yes. How could we forget? How could we forget? Uh, I could forget very easily, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Other than that, I just... I I won't get into it too much, but I've been gaming. I've been, like... For reasons similar to me shotgunning Suiho and 2, I've been shotgunning Xenogears the past week. Uh, Cool game, which I will talk about later when I actually beat it. Uh, but you know, nifty gameplay. You have a robot. The robot fights are cool. That game is. There's a lot of jokes about how the second disc of of uh, Xenogears, which I haven't got to yet, is like a visual novel because incomplete. Uh, oh. but the but the first disc sure is a lot of ping ponging between twenty minute cutscenes. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I, I need of, to get back and finish up that game. There is a lot of there's a lot of 
text in the game. I'm like, yeah, I'll go to the next area. I'll play a half more hour. And then like 15 minutes of that half hour is me just like watching the cutscenes in between the thing I just finished and me getting the chance to move, control my character again. This just makes me think uh, of the uh, it's, um, the video visual novel visual novel gamers getting ready to click one button for eight hours. <laughs> yeah, like uh, yeah. I mean, the game is dense, and there's like mysteries and proper nouns all over the place. Uh, a lot of Gnosticism. The <laughs> uh, uh, but also sometimes it's just like. You do not need to go in too much detail about this, but we are just spending fifteen minutes on this one scene. I one of the moments that solidified for me is early on when you get stuck in that underground like desert cave, and you you just happen upon this like weird archaeologist like archaeologist dude's home, and he just gives you an exposition dump on like ruins or whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's so good. His name is Balthazar. Balthazar, that's Which right. Can either be a biblical reference or a reference to Chrono Trigger, because apparently this was at one point a Chrono Trigger sequel. Yes. Which is why Luca from Chrono Trigger is just for whatever reason in the tutorial town and rips you off by teaching you about save points and then taking your money. It was also at some point supposed to be Final Fantasy VII, which is yes, hilarious to me. Uh, it is also funny that Parasite Eve was also at one point supposed to be Final Fantasy VII. It it has the Resident Evil Four effect of being a game, yes, so long and and spe- like specially crafted in development that just its production spawned multiple other cool games, multiple other franchises. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, combat system is neat. It 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 seems like it's trying to be like an action martial arts focused thing because they give you like light, medium, and heavy attacks. Uh, you can do combos quote-unquote that's cool the death with the death flow system where they give you a preset sequence of of uh attack inputs and you do a cool attack though i do kind of wish the execution was that the cool death flows weren't just oh this one is just a stronger attack and then they had different more effects uh it feels a bit rudimentary uh but the mecha fights are pretty involved there's like a system of like the death blows you know as like a on foot character translate into different moves you can do in your mech. I do uh, I do like it when robots fight. Uh and like you can there's a system of like the robots are, there's more decision making involved with the robots because the robots have like a fuel system where you have to conserve a lot of stronger attacks, waste more fuel, and then when your robot runs out of fuel it can't do shit. Uh and also to do like the cool death low combos you need to first like build up your attack level by doing basic attacks so there's a little more like thinking i think in the mecha fights also at some point in the game you enter a robot mecha fighting tournament and it's just a fighting game for some reason like an actual yes. one they just put this in the game <laughs> with a training mode with frame data uh there's That's also so a ver- cool there, there is a versus you can play that two player there is a versus mode yes, yes. uh that part of the game you meet a guy named ricardo bandera who is literally just inspired by blanca which may be why he has, like, an Iberian name. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it is a cool game. Uh, even if sometimes I'm just like, 
move a little faster. <laughs> I, I need to get back to the Veltal and and Xenogears are like all time mech designs. IMO, I love them both so yeah, much. I haven't I haven't seen the Xenogear itself, but uh, you know, I guess what I'm you so won't like, for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm so I'm like I'm I'm like over the halfway point, maybe two thirds way through disc one, which I think is like. I think I'm about halfway through the game because I have spent a lot of this week trying to burn through this game because uh, the podcast I listened to that did Sui Code Two is doing Xenosaga as their next season, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to play Xenosaga until I finish Xenogears, so I'm going to do that. <laughs> I I really have been feeling the in the last year, uh, ever since honestly, ever since that last Xenoblade Three thing came out, I've been really feeling the itch to go all in on the Xeno stuff. Um, yeah. Xenogears is a game. I feel like Xenogears and Dragon's Dogma are the two games I have started and then abandoned playthroughs of the most in my life. Um, but uh, Xeno Xenogears is fascinating. I I adore what that game does with number scale, where when you're doing like stuff on the ground with your dudes, it's like double digit, like triple digit, or whatever numbers. Yeah, yeah. And then when you get in the mechs, the scale of the numbers increases to like in response. That's yeah, yeah. a good like, use of yeah, the big yeah. numbers. Um, yeah, yeah, and because like yeah, everything is like thousands when you're in the mecha suits. Uh, and then like because sometimes you can like switch out of your mech or into your mech in fight that like makes a difference. Uh, and uh, from what I recall, there's a point where you start to face mech stuff from the very early parts of the game on foot. And you've caught up, and you can deal with them. <laughs> That's that so sick. sick. Yeah, yeah. The, the game is like very much in the anime bullshit. Uh, obviously, as you imagine, very Evangelion inspired. Uh, though I also assume, I have to assume Takashi saw Ideon. <laughs> but uh, it, it, I, it does I, feel I, that Evangelion particular was an influence. Yeah. In it is. Uh, um, it is a fascinating game that like i feel like is representative of the most on its bullshit ps1 jrpgs ever got and i respect it so much for it <laughs> so every once in a while i just like take a moment and see some really cool cinematography happening on the screen i'm like jesus fuck this is on the ps1 like holy shit <laughs> there's cool stuff it like does the inverse of like well the playstation final fantasy was due where those ones are like 3d models on like pre-rendered 2d background and this one's instead like 3d environments uh but like your characters are sprites um but also they differentiate between like mecha stuff of the giant scale by having them in 3d models too and it's kind of cool I'm happy that guy through the years has basically managed to make a a weird and kind of hackneyed together version of it, but a version nonetheless of his big Xenogears uh, multi-episode timeline that he wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, I heard that, like, once you get to Xenoblade 2 and 3, it's like, oh, the, the original ideas from Xenogears are starting to just be more fully fleshed out here, which is interesting. Yeah, um, it's it's pretty neat that he managed to get that to work. Um, yeah. And a, according to a friend, like, the, while originally they were kind of like, oh, you know, like, they're just spiritual, like, apparently they've, in more recent entries, have tried to be 
as as best as they can within copyright grounds make those ties a little more explicit which i'm like yeah that's interesting yeah that's cool also i know that in like in two's really dumb blade two's really dumb gotcha system you just get one of the saga characters which is cool uh, I uh, also appreciate that in uh, World of Final Fantasy, the little chibi spinoff thing, they have the bonus bosses, just the Xenogears, but they can't call it that, so they just call it XG. Why can't they call it that? I think they can call it... Yeah, I don't know why they did that. I think Square owns the rights to that <laughs> I think they just don't want to acknowledge it. <laughs> uh, insane. Well, there's the, there is the unhinged part of me that's like, well, Square and Nintendo are doing the Super Mario RPG remake, so clearly a Xenogears thing could be on the table <laughs> with Marvel and Soft's involvement. Uh, but yeah, I, I am still like, you know, halfway through this exceptionally long video game, uh, and I haven't even gotten to the quote-unquote sequels yet, so, you know, I'll talk about more of the plot stuff of Xenogears when I finish, and then I'll be able to talk about Saga a bit after that. I'm not touching Blade until I do Saga. I'm I'm going all in on this unhinged release order system. That's what I'm gonna do too. I I I, I played like ten hours of Xenoblade and I felt guilt. I was like, no, I'm uh, doing it wrong. It's I'm just... I'm going to do it even worse. I'm going to just simply watch Elira play Xenoblade. <laughs> I've debated doing that before. <laughs> Specifically with her. <laughs> uh, it, uh, so obviously, Zio Gears is obviously all into all sorts of anime bullshit. Uh, I mean, I say bullshit, I just mean not derogatory in this case. But uh, uh, it is just no funny anime that, haters. Like, the Ultra Q podcast. Yes, it, is, it, is, it is just funny that like Zio Gears is having like this reputation as like cool. Uh, I think it, like I think you know has this reputation as being like a deep game, etc with a lot going on law layers uh and it'll be fun experiencing the pipeline of what seeing xenogears for how it is and eventually getting to the part where we get a welsh cat girl <laughs> um the, the last thing i have to say about the xeno series is i do think it's i'm excited to get to it someday uh but all of the Xeno, like, friends that I have are very excited for me to get to Xenoblade Chronicles X in particular because they're like, this is a certified Rosin brand video game. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it probably is. <laughs> uh, All I know about Xenoblade X is, uh, is anybody there I need a bigger gun? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the music in that game is pretty good. <laughs> Also, it uh, takes place in Neo Los Angeles. <laughs> yes, that too. Which is wait, uh, oh, wait, what? Yeah, so you got to go to a whole different planet. It's in the rap song. They 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 find they 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 settle on a new planet because bad shit going on with the Earth, uh, and you know you just build Neo Los Angeles as you do. Ooh, yeah, okay. the, fact, the fact that the fact that it's called like Xeno Blade Chronicles X, and it's like, oh yeah, Neo Los Angeles does make me feel like this is a different kind of thing than all the other Xeno Blade games, which is probably why it's called X and doesn't have like the red color scheme. I, you know, I need to re I need to relate this because I don't, I do not think it's true anymore. But one of my friends who was like Xeno Blade lore, like, you know, 
hardcore enthusiast or whatever had a theory for a while that the reason it was called Xenoblade Chronicles X was because it was going to be the 10th game and everything else was leading up to it. <laughs> Apparently that is definitely not the case anymore, but that would have been fucking cool. <laughs> I'm looking at this game. I thought this was just a Xenoblade Chronicles game. No. No. It's, it's different. It, it, there's a reason it why different? it's not a numbered energy. It's, it's not a numbered entry, so... You play as, like, a silent protagonist create a character, too, who is, like, objectively not a person. Like, no no character, really. But it's... I know it's... I know it doesn't say... It doesn't have a number. But it's called Xenoblade Chronicles. Yeah. They didn't call it, like, Xenoblade something else. I'm so... This is I mental. Am, it's, not, <laughs> it's not, unlike... It's not the game, like, I'm most excited to get to, but I am incredibly curious about when I get to the game and see like okay why is this a Xeno game <laughs> or at least a Xenoblade game for whatever difference that makes uh, the, I, I do think it sucks that apparently there are the guy who directed or I, I think the director is the same as all the other ones I don't know why I worded like that but apparently he has gone on record saying like listen there are reasons this probably won't come to switch because there's some like behind the scenes technical stuff that makes it difficult which is a bummer um, but I'm also sad because apparently that game's ending definitely hints at like, oh, this story will be followed up on, and it sounds like maybe that's just not going to happen anymore because the fucking Wii U. So, yeah. I think if I think if they released it, re-released it, um, well, if they re-released it again, it would get a second life. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. I when when the Wii U came out, I was still reading like monthly. Uh, a British publication, print publication called Official Nintendo Magazine, um, and the amount of cope <laughs> about the Wii U <laughs> in that magazine was hilarious. It was not because you know the, they had done they did the 3DS and the 3DS was like a smash hit, and then the Wii U happened. And I was like, no, no man, this isn't the one. <laughs> uh, I bought a uh, Wii U for Tokyo Mirage Sessions. No regrets, baby. I, I have to uh, wonder what about what it's it on the switch like. <laughs> no regret listen the the wii u the wii u is now my my retro arc console <laughs> my, it works yeah. great for it i do have to wonder what would we like to go back in time and read the magazines of like the nintendo magazines during the n64 era and be like oh man check out this new game that's coming out in a year uh, we have no other games released in that time. What's a PlayStation? Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, I have fond memories of my Nintendo Power subscription when I was a kid, and that was yeah, that was peak N sixty four era. Uh, getting all the tips on Majora's Mask. Man, gaming magazines. That was an era. That was an was, era. I still, I, st I still have all those magazines that I had. Same. Like they're they're like, just in a, like in a box. They fit like very the neatly into a box. Memory of a game magazine I have is just like in high school in grade eleven, I was like reading a Nintendo Power. Uh, it was like, oh man, coming out for the new as the new at the time, not the system named this, the new 3ds. Uh, uh, the new Mega Man game, Mega Man Legends 3, get ready. I was like, oh man, yeah. I to buy a 3DS to buy this game. <laughs> um, I have a very distinct memory of being 
think I would have been like 10 or 11 and getting in trouble at school because another kid tattled on me for saying hell. And then I came home crying and then I read Nintendo Power that had just come in the mail to make myself feel better. America's a ludicrous place. <laughs> it's a very, very silly place. That teacher, I otherwise liked that teacher a lot, actually. Very, very nice woman who helped me a lot when I was going through some weird shit as a kid. Uh, she went in hard on me for saying the H word. <laughs> like, the the hell H-word. thing, the fact that the hell thing is, the, the hell, hell is a curse, hell is a swear. The idea of that being real has been, like, completely fake to my brain for maybe 20 years <laughs> like it just you know you say it out loud and i'm like i believe you but i also don't think that's real like i can't conceive of it <laughs> it doesn't it's not real footnote the u.s is a settler country definitely uh anyway anyway is it Ultra 7 time? You're speaking of religion, Ultra 7. <laughs> speaking oh, speaking of religion. of religion, let me tell you. Who? God damn. All right, well, Ultra 7 time. Let's get into episode... Uh, I didn't put the numbers. Episode 13. 13. Uh, now, title I have here, The Man Who Came From V3. Yes. Okay, we're good. We're good. One... Like the Danganronpa game. <sighs> I no, I mm, I wonder which one's better between this episode and the Danganronpa game. Uh, I V three is divisive, but it's one I like a lot. I will say. Okay. I I um, I never got into V three. I stopped after two. You want two is a good game too. Two is okay. the only Danganronpa thing I've experienced. I think I like. I have never touched Danganronpa in my life. I will continue. Uh, to hop on happy. I, lo- I love that for you. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I, will, I will simply live my life. I will be free. You you know, people seem to like posting about uh, the, the girl with the big blonde hair. People like her. Who knows? Anyway. The man who came from V3. One Captain Kurata and aboard the uh, V3 space station reports that they are under attack from an enemy ship. He and his men launch in fighters and the battle falls to Earth as Kurata's ship is damaged and the alien UFO runs out of fuel. Uh, Furuhashi and Amagi arrive to rescue Kurata but are shot down by the landed UFO. Uh, Kurata is also hit and his co-pilot dies. Kurata ejects the only survivor of his attack. Uh, Karata is brought to the Ultra Guard HQ, and it turns out he and the captain are old friends. Uh, low on fuel and unable to exit the Earth's atmosphere, uh, the aliens capture the crashed Furuhashi and Amagi, uh, create duplicates of the two men, and order the clones to return to home base and steal fuel from the Ultra Hawks. The guard are delighted when the two return, but Dan's a little suspicious on account of the fact both of them are acting fucking weird. Uh, he follows them into the depths of the base and catches them in the act of stealing fuel. Uh, Dan guns them down, and when the rest of the guard arrives, uh, they watch the bodies vaporize. Uh, and they're like, well, okay, I, I guess you're telling the truth. I guess they were clones. Um, the aliens change their approach. 
they use Soga and Furuhashi, Soga? Amagi, Amagi and Furuhashi as hostages and bargain for fuel. Uh, Captain, uh, what's his name? Kurama. Oh, K- Kiriyama is our guy. Kiriyama. I was going to oh, say, Kiriyama, yes, I, yes. I have not. I have not written Kiriyama here. I have written something. I have written something else entirely there, and I knew it was wrong. There we go. Captain Kiriyama uh, wants to do the trade, but Kurata asks, "What about my revenge?" And Kiriyama's response is basically, "Unlike you, I don't get my men killed. Uh, trouble in paradise." Uh, <laughs> uh, they go, go back off. and forth. <laughs> they go back and forth, uh, but Kiriyama has the authority, and he goes to do the trade himself. Uh, Kurata heads to the Ultra Hawk hangar to provide support for his friend, and luckily a TDF commander knows what he's like and on the way intercepts him in an elevator and gives him the key for the hangar. Uh, Dan and Soga follow. Uh, Obviously, this is Ultra 7, the aliens do not plan on playing fair. Uh, Once they have the fuel, they start blasting. Uh, Soga gets injured and Dan turns into Ultra 7, boarding the ship and freeing the hostages. Uh, the aliens deploy a kaiju and take off. Uh, Ultra 7 defeats the kaiju while Kurata and Kiriyama fly together for the first time in years. They shoot down the UFO as it attempts to escape. Uh, later, Kurata is being launched back into space and Kiriyama tells him to stay safe over the radio. Uh, the end. Um, my one main... Th- this, I think this, this episode is alright. The one thing that I have to say is I feel like this is this is like some padding there's like a lot here that is just um i was struggling to stay awake watching this i'm not gonna lie (laughs) i i do think uh, it's not bad but it just it goes on for a bit yeah it's just fine Mm -hmm. um the main the main thing here is karas and kiriyama um uh i think i like Kurata, uh, you know, he, he rocks up. He has, like, a vibe to him. He's, yeah. like... That's good. Uh, when he's talked, he talks to the commander when he gets rescued, and he's like, well, I guess you're going to send me to the moon then. And it's like, okay, he's 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 a troublemaker. <laughs> he get, he's he, a rascal you know, from space. He's a, he's a rascal from space. <laughs> <laughs> it's him. It was him all along. He was the rascal. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, either of you two have anything to yeah, say about the episode? There, there's not much to say about the episode. Uh, I just, I did, just was curious. I did some production diving. Uh, apparently, the 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 enemy this anime, uh, this episode is called Alien Erios. Uh, okay. Uh, and during the sort of like uh, conceptual phase, there was sort of like ambiguity and clearance of whether. The kaiju that shows up is like the actual alien or just like a servant. Because uh, the original plan for the episode was oh, yeah, there's going to be an alien race and they'll have a pet kaiju and like they're using like Greek names or whatever. Uh, but at the end, I think they just settled on oh, yeah, the kaiju is just one of those aliens, I think, was what they established oh. retroactively. But it feels weird because it's like. Yeah, uh, it doesn't feel like that. Yeah. That, 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 look, look at the guy and he's just like, that's not. It's not really a humanoid thing. Uh, it just looks like a weird bat thing, and it doesn't really work as like mm-hmm. a. Which I, you know what? Maybe because this weird bat thing is the reason why they need to send clones to go <laughs> get it. And I mean, part of that is I to mean, break but, in. But also, it's also it's the problem where like um, 
they use the kaiju like it's a pet, like it's disposable. Yeah, yeah. The, like, you I know, the, yeah. they're just like, uh, we're just going to put this here as a decoy and we're going to fly away. The, the idea that that's just some guy off their ship, they were, they were like, yeah, get Dave. Yeah. <laughs> we don't, no one likes him. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't actually know how much they like. I'm a real. I, look, when I, was gonna, I also saw this is just not a guy who shows up again. Mm-hmm. Beyond like maybe like one reference allusion to the name, but like the kaiju never shows up again. So it's one of those things where it's like, ah, we don't have to actually care too much about the specifics. And just like, I don't know. I guess like, yeah, I guess there is more text to episode 12 that is beyond <laughs> the episode. <laughs> but I, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, well, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think it's funny how little fake uh Furuhashi and uh Amagi managed to get done before they're found out. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> uh, it's cuz uh Dan is, you know, he's the ultra shining star. He he's I'm always g- on the shit. But I'm also two people are I like, "Hey, how I... are you doing?" and they just stare at them. <laughs> like it's so yeah. fucking good. I, I think I could do Dan's job here. I think I think <laughs> them showing up and just like, "Yes." Hello. <laughs> okay, well, uh, the, the fun- I think you're a clone. I, <laughs> I don't think you're really Furuhashi. The funny, the funny thing is, often, like, characters will do something really suspicious, and nobody will notice, and Dan will notice. And, like, me as a viewer, I'm like, well, yeah, obviously, <laughs> I would notice too. But also, Dan, from his position, goes on to, like, accurately predict everything to the exact detail, and I'm like... Okay, I know something will be up. I wouldn't be able to get that. <laughs> oh man, he's Sherlock Holmes in it. He's got he's got the BBC Sherlock um, mind palace stuff going on in his head at all times. Uh, oh, like Ento. Uh, yeah. Uh, the um, uh, Razan, as yeah. our resident uh, Kiriyama hater. Uh, how do you feel about this episode? Uh, I, you know, I will th- say I do think the little the little bro friendship he has with uh, Kirata actually did warm me up to him a little bit. Like when when they first meet up and they they kind of like embrace or like shake hands or whatever the fuck they do. You like you it just kind of cuts to everyone else in the room like smiling like ah he has actual friends which is like hey you know it's kind of nice. Yeah, the fa- um, the farewell at the end episode was pretty nice. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I, like, I only really had two notes on this episode, really. It's like, I, I think the alien's design is, uh, kind of interesting. Like, I was like, ah, that, that seems a little different. Um, and then, yeah, just the other, I, we kind of already talked about, but just this one just feels like, again, kind of that thing we sometimes ran into with Ultraman, where it's like, maybe they just didn't have enough, because this one just kind of dragged for me. It, it, I I did not go into this episode tire, tired, and by the time it was done, I was like, I, I need to go to bed. <laughs> it was... <laughs> I It just... Something about this one just did not hook me. Mm-hmm. Not bad, but just, I don't know, it, it didn't keep my interest. Yeah. I think I'm probably the same. I was, I towards the end, I was like, uh, we can wrap this up. Um, I was, I was also like that about our third episode today, but for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess in terms of the production, this was directed by uh, Toshitsugu Suzuki, who is the Mephilus man. Um, 
And uh, one thing I wanted to note, because then the other two episodes we have are written, or sorry, directed by uh, Kazuho Mitsuda, uh, who is the uh, Bostang uh, person. Um, and you may remember both of these people were friends and they have very similar stories in that Mitsuda was the one who had to step up and take over to do, like, primary directorial stuff on Ultra Q when, like, logistics stuff happened. And he did such a good job that they're like, hey, let's let's get you on board, like, on the ground for Ultraman. And then the same thing happened with Suzuki, where he, he was brought on to do some, like, primary directing stuff towards the end of Ultraman. And they're like, hey, let's get you on for Ultra 7. Um, I just think it's really interesting that both of them have that, like, very similar shared sort of background in terms of their involvement with Super I production stuff. Um, but not only that, they've... Those two combined have directed 9 out of the 15 Ultra 7 episodes that we've watched. Damn. Damn. Which I just, like... They, they're really trusting the two of them. And, like, they're to be busy. fair, I, I think they're they're mostly doing a good job. I will, I will say, overall, I think Suzuki's episodes for Ultra 7 have been a little bit weaker compared to Mitsuda. Um, Suzuki also did the Suspicious Neighbor one, uh, and then also the Escaped Alien Convict one. Was okay. Mitsuda, um, uh, was he the toy, uh, the toy gun? Yes, yes. That was a cool episode. He was, he was also fly to Devil Mountain, um, the fourth episode, which I don't remember what that was, the Godola one, um, the uh, Dark Zone one, how could we forget with our, our friendly little guest? Killer, <laughs> I guess killer so. episode. Yeah. yeah, that's great. One of the best so far. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, the Toy Gun one. Sick. Um, Mitsuda's killing who, it in Ultra 7, who's, I gotta say. Who's, who's the writer this episode? The writer, I'm happy you brought up, is uh, a newcomer who has a oh, very shit. interesting uh, story and also uh, semi-spoiled me on upcoming podcasting. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I, will, I will keep it vague, uh, but I will bring it up because I do think it is at least, you know, important and maybe something for people to look forward to, question mark. Um, I will but, see if I can read between the lines because depending on what I know, but anyway. I think you might know. I don't know, okay. but this seems like a thing that people would probably know about. But okay. um, this was written by newcomer Shinichi Ichikawa, uh, who would later go on to serve as the Japan Broadcasting Association president from 2010 until his death in 2011. Um, Ichikawa's Wait, what? For what? one year? Oh, sorry. This was supposed to be 2000 to 2011. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> good catch, because I, I would have just completely not noticed that. Yeah, it was I was like, damn, sad, sad to land a, a big job and then and then just die. A year oh, later. we'll talk about that with this guy. Um, uh, Ichikawa's father was an Imperial Navy flight instructor and his mother belonged to a uh, well-off family that had owned a successful store that had been in operation since 1793. Holy um, shit. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, his mother uh, got sick and died when he was only 10 years old. Um, when she was hospitalized, she was hospitalized at a Catholic hospital. Uh, and this is apparently where he uh, like was introduced to and started to believe in Christianity. Um, however, even though he first encountered the Catholic iteration of it, he instead uh, chose to uh, become a part of the Protestant uh, church in Japan at the time. 
Um, side note, the J- Japan Wikipedia here talks about him being a Christian as being an influence on the Christianity stuff in in the Ultra series, because he's, he's also um, going to... I, I would not say that that's true. Yeah, I would also not say it's true. Um, so despite him being involved with this Return of Ultraman and Ultraman Ace, um, the... Like unless unless we noticed Ultraman becoming increasingly Protestant, <laughs> I mean we 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 should maybe wait judgment until we actually see Return and Ace, uh, just because you know, I we, we 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 don't know how much the Christian stuff hangs around when like AG's gone. So, so the thing is that makes me just think that maybe that they were just kind of drawing parallels for the sake of it was one of the examples that the Japan wiki uses is, oh, there's a lot of ultra stuff that uh, is named after uh, Christian things like Peter from Ultra Q being named after the Apostle. And I'm like, that this was guy didn't not work him. on Ultra Q. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, it's a little it's a little crocodile called Peter. That's a bit no, of a stretch. That's an Apostle. <laughs> Um, it did also list a, a few other examples of like, oh, there are like alien whatever things I'm assuming that are going to show up in this show that are like obviously references to like Christian, myth- like Christian mythology and like belief stuff. Um, we just haven't seen that yet, so I'll reserve judgment. But I did think it was weird that they brought up Peter as an example when that guy, this guy was not at Super Ryan Productions when Ultra Q was being made. Um, yeah. It's just it's also just a name. It's just a name, yeah. I. It's I a little like that crocodile that they named Peter. What are me, you talking about? <laughs> me, me watching Family Guy and looking for Gnostic <laughs> lore the way I, with the way I read into Xenogears. <laughs> Peter Griffin is a reference. You see, the Griffin is a symbol in the... <laughs> <laughs> Um, where did I leave? Oh yeah, right, Protestantism. Anyways, ever since he was a young child, he enjoyed writing and painting, and apparently was so talented at entertaining his classmates that at one point, his work was highlighted by a local newspaper. Um, he then went on to be hired by Subaraya Productions to write the fourth episode of Kaiju Boska. Boska? Uh, we've talked about that before, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, we won't be covering it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, it was a. It was something I wasn't. I wasn't looking up because I was watching uh, a let's play by a Toho girl of um, the Ultra video game, this tactics game. Yes, Ooh. that was what happened. Uh, and then uh, after that, he was moved to writing for the Ultra series, uh, making his writing debut here for this episode. Um, later on. He would be put in charge as the main writer of Ultraman Ace. Um, I am going to withhold everything that I've read and just say that this led to complications that we will cover at another time. Um, mm, I see. I will also say the little bit that I've read has made me very interested in what the fuck is going on in Ultraman Ace. Uh, I am looking forward to that show because I know it's weird, uh, and I know there's some production stuff in there, but uh, um, that's that's two seasons from now. I I have 
I screen capped a description of what happened there and and put like a pin in it because I'm like this this will come up. Like, uh, can it, you just send it to me in private? Yes, yes, I can. I want. I know. Uh, I, wanna... I know. There's also an Ultraman Jack. Is there an Ultraman Queen and King? Oh shit. Uh, I think Ultraman King is the first one IMO, but, you know, that's just... <laughs> uh, he is not a king. We are not giving him king status. <laughs> Listen, I would say, histor- historically speaking, I think his uh, his behavior is quite king-like. <laughs> oh, Tragically, so, for many of those involved. So evil. <laughs> um... Anyways, uh, he would go on, uh, um, Ichikawa, uh, he would go on to write for many, many, many TV shows, then he wrote a few books, and later in life he apparently became like a regular guest on TV and radio programs discussing the state of the TV industry and like things that were coming out, he just kind of became like a talking head that like, people kind of knew like, oh, this is like a famous writer guy or whatever, um... A few other random notes that just like don't really... Like, they're not super relevant, but I thought they were interesting. Um, he expressed some guilt over the uh, Aum Shinrikyo attacks and, like, incident overall, um, stating that it's undeniable that the movement's popularity was somewhat bolstered by pop culture, specifically citing Ultraman stuff, but then also Space Battleship Yamato, which I thought was interesting because, as far as I can tell, he did not work on Yamato at all. Um but I, I feel like that's not the first time I have heard people make that claim. So I thought that was kind of interesting just seeing someone involved with kind of the culture at the time just saying, ah, I feel kind of bad about how that all happened and some influence that they may have taken um, from that. Uh, apparently, he was also the writer on The Ultra 7 that I loved, which is a like dramatization of the creation of the show. Um, and it needs subs. It does need subs. <laughs> I lifted. Um, you can go sub at someone. <laughs> now, funnily enough, apparently when writing himself, he decided to make himself... Uh, everyone else, he tried to be as realistic as writing as possible. But then when writing himself, he decided to exaggerate himself and make himself a little bit of a clown that had trouble with women. Uh, but then later on, a fellow Ultra 7 writer would tell him, Damn, you did a really good job portraying yourself. And apparently he was offended. Fucking owned. <laughs> Holy shit. Bro, um, pack it up. Yeah. <laughs> You're done. God damn. Uh, and then the last thing, which is sad, but apparently he was scheduled to receive, like, I think it was some, like, um, national, like, award thing from, like, the Imperial family to be like, hey, like, we just want we just want to acknowledge the work that you've done across your life writing for various beloved TV properties and, and all that stuff or whatever. Oh, uh, an MBE. He uh, um, do you, oh I just I just said something very British I apologize please continue <laughs> yeah I, I I was just gonna gloss over that because I had no fucking idea what was going on <laughs> but um, I, I will explain okay <laughs> afterwards yes um but apparently the day like the day of the ceremony that he was supposed to get this as like part of like a broadcasted thing or whatever uh, he got really sick and he had to go to the hospital and he died I believe of lung cancer um which is sad so that is sad yeah rip um 
so an MBE and an OBE are member of the British Empire and Order of the British Empire are um uh or what is it officer of the British Empire um uh they are awards that are given out by uh by well I guess not by the Queen anymore rest in piss um <laughs> uh given out by uh old king charlie um and uh they're given out to like a lot of british actors so um, have mbes so run this by me again in the present day they are still called of the british empire (laughs) (laughs) now mel (laughs) now now would it surprise you to learn uh, that Britain is a little bit fucked up <laughs> and uh, weird I, I think, and everything uh, is outdated. I think uh, significant portions of the world's population could tell you this hundreds of years what? ago. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, who ha- okay, let me Google who has an MBE. Uh, uh, actor. Uh, let me see. Uh, actors with MBEs. 34 celebrities with actors awarding... Not, no, I don't want knighthoods. 34 celebrities with royal honours. Uh, Ralph Lauren. <laughs> um, Kira Knightley. Uh, she's got an OBE. Uh, Emma Thompson. Adele. It's got a fucking... <laughs> it's got an MBE. Eddie Redmayne's got an OBE. Benedict Cumberbatch has got a CBE. Jesus, what is a CBE? Um, Cumberbatch of the British Empire. Commander of the British Empire. Benedict Cumberbatch is a commander of the British Empire. Oh, Jesus. Uh, well, you see, he's seen all possible timelines. <laughs> oh, no. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's when you said he was getting honors from uh, the emperor. I was like, oh, yeah, an MBE. I know. Yeah, it's, yeah. Very, it's very funny that you felt the need to explain that. And I was like, well, yes, naturally. Is that not how everywhere does things? <laughs> I'm actually curious what the equivalent is in my country, just because. Uh, ooh, like, I mean, we, probably an MBE and an OBE. <laughs> I, Sorry. I mean, we also have King Charles for some reason. Uh, but yeah, I I think the only the only thing I can think of uh, that (laughs) could be maybe comparable in America is like uh, maybe your shit gets recognized as relevant enough to be uh, like get put into the Library of Congress. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Fuck the actual creator. The work is what we did. We do have the Order of Canada. The Order of Canada. Yeah. God damn. Um, I don't know uh, if that's equivalent. But uh, just... Ewan McGregor's got an OBE, but we'll we'll let him. We'll you know we can't it can't all be we can't all win every time. Uh, uh, the I, I have two other notes. Uh, well, I didn't even write this down, but apparently after he passed away, a bunch of his like colleagues and peers were like, we should. We should like hand out like a like a Ichikawa award, um, and that stopped this year because everyone that was like in charge of that whole thing also got old and died. <laughs> oh, uh, well. and nobody really took up the mantle. <laughs> oh damn! So happens. age it happens. Uh, and then the other thing is uh, Mel. I while 
that we had that discussion, I tracked down the uh, bit about Ultraman Ace. So here you go if you want to take a look at it. Um, but yeah, seems like a person that we will see a lot more uh, writing from in Ultra 7, Return of Ultraman, and then Ultraman Ace. So curious to see how we uh, feel about him in the future. I've got one, I've got one more cursed OBE. Yes. Uh, oh, I actually don't know as much about this, so I'm gonna. It seems vague enough. Doesn't matter, but it's like also, I'm gonna keep myself vague. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I'm gonna. Will be interesting. I'm. When we get to it. Uh, one last OBE, James Corden. <laughs> <laughs> as an OBE, I don't know what the fuck for. <laughs> Fucking off to America. <laughs> That's what he got the OBE for. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Pondering my obe. Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, that's all I got for this episode. Uh, I mean, right. that's more than like the actual episode. To be fair. Yeah, to be fair, we had we didn't have loads to say about the episode in the end. No, it's kind of just kind of there. Um. Okay. Episode, uh, fourteen. First of the new batch. Uh, I have to. Take an also, L. first of a two-parter. Yeah, first of a two-parter. I have to take oh. an L right at the top here. Uh, no capsules. Yeah, I'm taking. I, sa- I, I'm I taking said. Some major L's too. You're you're taking you're taking the L, but I'm taking the L for call, um, cold shot episode 14, first of the new batch. They're gonna they're gonna put a capsule capsule monster in. We keep calling it capsule monsters. There is a one of the games in Yu-Gi-Oh is called capsule monsters. <laughs> Yeah, Capsule Monster Coliseum. How could we ever forget? Uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Um, that, that's like the fake RPG one with the dice and the... I think so. I think Dungeon Dice Monsters is something different. No, like shit, yeah, I'm thinking... Monster. Wait, no. The, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, so the, the thing is, the, we, because I've read the manga, um, I'm getting a little mixed up because there is the arc that is adapted for the anime as a card game. There is the arc where uh, Bakura runs Dungeons and Dragons for Yugi and yes. his friends. And that's that's what the framing is for... The current yeah, introduction. I, you know, I'm, you know I'm conflating. This. I'm conflating dungeon dice monsters with the capsule monsters. They're different things, but with somewhat similar mechanics, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. Now, now that I think about it, I remember as a kid thinking, "Why are there other games besides the card game in this game?" And now knowing the origins of Yu-Gi-Oh, I was like, "Actually, yeah, that makes sense." It makes. <laughs> uh, I I need to play Capsule Monster Coliseum because for some fucking reason, uh, probably like. For so, I made a duelist of the roses review one time, just kind of like that's yeah, this the is game, a game I need to play. <laughs> I was like, I I I liked this game quite a bit as a kid, and like sh- a shockingly high number of people in my life have opinions about duelist of the roses, uh, and for whatever fucking reason, a shocking amount of people uh, keep watching that review. Damn. <laughs> like I don't know why that one took off, but uh, it did. Duelist uh, of the Three yeah. Kingdoms. True. Uh, Two part uh, time. Kaibo would be Sao Sao. Oh, you know what? <laughs> something. Something I. I don't know why this came up now, but something I missed off that everyone was talking about Baldur's Gate three. I found out that Salts at some point Sword World two point five got translated like last year, um, and so I've been reading a bunch of that. Um, it's you know it's not revolutionary, but it's neat. Uh, the not actual, revolutionary like, like uh, guerrilla warfare. 
No. no. <laughs> you should send that to me, though. I actually also did not know that, but I'd be interested in taking a look. You can, if you look up SwordWorld 2.5, one of the top results is the subreddit where the top link is the link to just a Google Drive doc of the core rulebook translated. <laughs> Interesting. I might try to run that. Uh, just for funsies. It seems cool. There's lots of multiclassing and also all the the actual cool thing about it. I've just interrupted our Ultra 7 podcast to say we the did. actual <laughs> cool thing about it is that the fucking uh, the game, the campaign books are all written in a way where they're like, if you don't have a GM, stop reading the book. You can play this game like it's a choose your own adventure game. <laughs> that fucking rules. It's that is so cool. cool. Oh man. Anyway, uh Westward Ultra Guard Part Two. <laughs> this uh, is this all started I, because of capsules. I I have a note about part the episode one, titles. Okay. They're different on the Blu-ray and in the Blu-ray book. I think this is oh. the first time this has ever happened. Yeah, I got the Ultra Guard Goes West. The Ultra Guard Goes West is what it says in the book, but I think when you look on the actual Blu-ray, it says what Red said. Yeah. Vindication. I'm fucking vindicated. Out, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why you'd uh, not be. I mean, you have the Blu-rays, right? So. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's that's why. So, uh, contrary to what you may think, this is not the cowboy episode. No. <laughs> Despite the Ultra Guard going uh, west, it's, why is it called Westwood? Uh, it's because Ultra there's a bunch of white west. people on it. I mean, there is. This is true. <laughs> Ultra Seven goes Caucasian. The other translation. Yes. <laughs> Uh, this first white guy is really cool, though. Let's go. Uh, he's very cool until you find out his name, but that's getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> he does see a he does see a battleship explode. Just a ship explode makes the sign of the cross. It's so Dead. fucking cool. All right, uh, '60s James Bond shit is happening as a man escapes a ship in scuba gear, changes into a suit uh, with black gloves and sunglasses once ashore tosses a cigarette and the ship he escaped from explodes and he in his car like fucking signs the cross on his chest and then drives away which is the hardest cold open to an ultra seven and then it cuts so, yeah. immediately to church bells which is even it's so good yeah uh, uh i'm realizing something oh, now that i will talk about it later but okay an assassin has been killing various foreigners in japan Kiriyama is informed that all the victims were secretly scientists working for the TDF after an observation rocket studying the dark planet of Padan was mistaken for a pending invasion. The aliens intend to counterattack. Uh, one of the VIPs is Dorothy Anderson, a young scientist who knows all the information uh, regarding the Padan aliens. Uh, the Ultra Guard are assigned to escort her to an important defense conference where the Padan situation is to be discussed. Uh, on the way to the conference, the man in sunglasses takes a shot at Dorothy, but Dan saves her, and they make it to the conference building. I did not uh, hear Red for a second. Yeah, same. You cut out completely for us, I think. <clears throat> On the way to the conference, the man in sunglasses takes a shot at Dorothy, uh, but Dan saves her, and they make it to the conference building. Uh, Dorothy awaits the arrival of two more important scientists, uh, and she's told they're being brought here by submarine for their safety. 
Uh, but as has been made very clear recently, uh, people have a habit of overstating the safety of traveling by submarine. Um, the submarine is ambushed by four separate strange contraptions. Um, the guard launched a rescue, but they're too late. The submarine gets fucking owned. Uh, it just like it just blows up. It's just the the four things surround it, and the little model just they just stuck some fucking firecrackers in there, and it explodes. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's fun that we get like the Ultra Guard's fancy submarine mech, uh, but doesn't do shit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I a lot of good explosions these three episodes. IMO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, clearly, there's a spy leaking information. Uh, while on a walk at the docks, Dorothy encounters the man in sunglasses who is... Oh, he's doing villainous fishing. Um, oh, God. It's, this part's so cool, just the way he's just, like, it, it's so fishing good. in her direction. This, this is <laughs> he, peak fiction. He approaches her while slowly, like, reeling in <laughs> whatever, he, whatever he's fishing for. Um, and uh, then he, like, whips... Uh, the fishing line towards her and snatches a brooch off Dorothy um, and then the ultra guard arrive and jump him as uh, a man who comes from a fishing family this was I felt <laughs> you, fishing you family a hunter I hear <laughs> uh, Dorothy th- oh yeah Dorothy throws herself into the sea and vanishes and the man in sunglasses explains uh, that she's the fucking spy uh, he was the original escort for the real Dorothy, uh, but she was captured and replaced with a fake. <clears throat> now, Mel, I have not made a note of it here. Would you like to tell me what this man's name is? Because <laughs> I remember, kind of. His name is Melvin Wepp. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> it's fucking Melvin! <laughs> the coolest man in the world. He... Uh, I made the joke at the start of the episode. He does judo throw like three ultra guard members in quick succession. <laughs> he does. He's. Oh. Uh, He's so, so far, cool. Ultraman's coolest white guy. <laughs> I mean, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, anyway, meanwhile, at the conference building, the four contraptions have arrived and formed a giant robot. Um, Ultra 7 arrives to fight it, but seems to be losing uh, when the episode ends and the narrator says, two-parter baby, tune in next week. Uh, do we want to talk about this episode uh, first or do we want to just go through? Uh, I think we can make some no- just some brief notes about... Yeah. I do have some brief <clears throat> notes. Uh... Okay, so I'm, I'm going to start off with, first of all, we've been talking about it a bit. Uh, Melvin is the coolest man in the world. Um, he rocks up, uh, blows up, uh, like blows up a ship, uh presumably the ship that he was on uh turns to look at it and because it's a model they can't actually film the reflection off sunglasses and so <laughs> oh, they've, yeah. they've they've edited in the footage of the ship exploding uh over his sunglasses it's amazing it looks really fun like it, it's yeah. so good um the, the the thing I realized when we were talking about him making the sign of the cross is, oh, this should have been my tip off to because they they frame the episode as if he is the guy assassinating the, the people or whatever. But this should have been the tip yeah, off. Yeah. He was the good guy. It should have been the tip off that he was the good guy. So making the sign of the cross. Also. Aliens are not religious. <laughs> or not, they're not Christian. Yeah. Please. Like I know, yeah. I, like I know, Ultraman is like Jesus coded, but like 
Ultraman himself does not bow to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, at, you know, at most uh, orthodox. But yeah, this uh, this man is really cool. Um, There is so we have talked a lot about this show being very Thunderbirds, or I have uh, with with help (laughs) because I you know I've watched fucking Thunderbirds. Uh, This episode is not is not Thunderbirds at all. This is fucking Captain Scarlet. This is uh, this whole thing about how a, a misunderstanding with the aliens, and now we're in like a cold war with them, and like anyone you know. People are getting like replaced uh, with duplicates, um, and it's all it's like oh spy wow, shit. like episode thirteen. Yes, <laughs> this is good. Um, yeah, this is all extreme captain's gun. This man, the reason I was in, I was like, oh, this this man's obviously the bad guy. Is that I was like, this is Captain Black, baby. This is Captain Black. He's so cool. <laughs> um, he was not Captain Black, it turns out, but oh well. Um, but yeah. Uh, Captain Scarlet happening in this episode. So something else that I have looked up, because I wanted to look up the dates, and I realized that Jerry Anderson, uh, Jerry and Sylvia, Sylvia Anderson Productions, uh, is it Sylvia or Sylvia? Sylvia, I think. Uh, Anderson, uh, those productions, don't actually, uh, they make the switch to and i think it's after like an unsuccessful puppet like mix of puppet and live action show um it's weird production on that one uh but i think it's like after uh like it lines up where i think you could probably say the ultra seven and like ultraman and ultra seven but i i i suspect more ultra (laughs) seven um could have maybe like reverse like now the snake is eating its own tail uh the andersons might have uh seen what was being cooked up in japan and gone okay we could we could do that and make ufo um i am curious though because like on one hand like ultra seven was inspired by more than just jerry anderson stuff there's other western stuff that they were drawing on that may have similarly inspired Jerry and Sylvia Anderson. Uh, uh, I I guess this is also possible. But also, uh, on the other hand, I AG Superi did visit their studio, and so it's not like they're... I assume yeah. they're, they know his work to some extent. There's definitely a tie there. Um, I mean, well, also, yes, this is true. Also, uh, Doctor Who's definitely happening. <laughs> uh, I... I, I just, I again, I, I think I've talked about this before. I'm very unfamiliar when it comes to this, but is Star Trek a thing here? Like, is Star Trek part of this, like, conversation in terms of what's being, like, influenced? Like, especially with all the alien stuff. I just, I don't know. I can tell because I have not seen uh, any reference to Star Trek as influencing explicitly. Uh... Uh, looking it up on Wikipedia really quickly, the original series of Star Trek does start in the middle of Ultraman's run. Because, um, like, I, I think we talked about it, but, like, the the little more traditional military vibe of, like, the designs for everything here just, it, it strikes me as what I've seen of the, like, old Star Trek stuff. It, it feels like it's more of that wheelhouse. 
Uh, there, there is a degree to which that does kind of tie over. I would say Star Trek is much more like, cause on the one hand, yes, there is more, they are like a military vessel ish. Um, but it's, I, I wouldn't, I would hesitate to describe the original Star Trek series as kind of having like a military vibe. Um, there are like episodes, yeah, where the, like there's the fucking was it Balance of Terror, which is the fucking submarine warfare shit. It's, oh, it's fucking good episode. Yeah, people, just again, I mostly just mean like the, the like the uniforms and stuff make like the Ultra Seven uniforms make me go like, oh, this looks like a Star Trek thing a little bit to me. But uh, it doesn't look much like original Star Trek because original Star Trek is uh, all like very like. So I can, I can original. Oh, you know what? You're right because that's uniforms. like the the like you know like the very like one co- like mono color like yeah, yeah one color and also all the women are in uh the the dress yeah <laughs> with with uh with the short skirt uh, yeah say, say what you will about like how these shows have treated their female team members but they still wear like pants yeah um. But uh, yeah, there's obviously there's a lot of stuff like influencing each other. Uh, but it just it did occur to me one time where I was like, I I I was thinking about UFO and I was thinking like, they kind of just leapt into this, and I was thinking like, what's the stuff that they're reference that they're referencing for you know this works? And it's like, well, it's Doctor Who, but also the people that visited their studio and started doing their shit over in Japan. <laughs> are also doing this live action with models. And I'm like, okay, I I think I can not live action. You know what I mean. People. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah. Uh, uh, I do. I felt a little weird at the end of this two-parter where I enjoyed this first episode quite a bit, but then right at the end of the, so I think the robot is cool. Uh, I, 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 I think this is technically the next episode, but when I realized that the little bits that fucked with the submarine were not just tiny alien ships, but were in fact, uh, bits of like that came together that combined into a mech, uh, I, I, I did the pog face. Uh, I thought that was really cool. (laughs) Um, that being said, the set that they 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 reuse like the set of well, like I guess not the set because it's all probably constructed but like they're definitely taking some inspiration from like when the UN like building gets attacked in the Jamila episode or whatever like all mm-hmm. the flags are yes. there this time it's the ultra like it's the whatever like terrestrial is it terrestrial defense force I want to say um, uh, yes TDF. It, yeah. Yes, it's it's their like big base or whatever instead of like, oh, this is like where all the politicians are hanging out. But, you know, same same general vibe. But then also, too, we get the two parter Gamora thing again of, oh, no, Ultra 7 can't beat this one. And like right towards the end, there was just like we're kind of taking stuff from Ultraman that I actually think worked a little bit better in both of those episodes of Ultraman. Uh, it just it, it I don't think it's an actual problem. It just kind of distracted me a little bit. Yeah. Um that's fair. Also, the Australian flag in the UN flag thing is really funny. <laughs> I did. I did not notice this. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> That's funny though. Um, <laughs> what, what is this? 
it's upside down and it's a fucking mess <laughs> i mean it's a miniature maybe maybe on standard definition televisions they weren't expecting oh, this to might even be uh no it's not it's it's definitely the australian one why is why are the <laughs> Why Ow. have they made the stars look look like that? Oh no. They they all leaked. I mildly scratched myself playing with that knife. I need to put this down. Don't <laughs> stop playing, kids. Don't play with knives. <laughs> I know. This is a stupid bad habit I've picked up ever since I bought this fucking I just need to put this thing away. Uh, we were talking crack. about this prior to us recording the episode, but uh Stuntman says kids yeah. don't play with too many knives. I purchased a Swiss Army knife on my travels that uh, I, I keep playing with as like a little dumb thing to do with my hands. You know what? Mm. I should take up smoking instead. I've heard that's also a thing people do with their hands. Yeah, it looks uh, really cool. <laughs> yep. Listen, uh, Akio Jisoji has made cigarettes look cool. Uh, no, he, right, here's the thing. Mo- <laughs> like, just... Every, like... Every movie that knows what it's doing has made cigarettes look like the coolest thing in the world. It's um, tragic. This is just. This is just. It's. It's just. Kids aren't ready for how cool it looks to smoke. Um, neither are lungs. Neither are lungs, unfortunately. Now, uh, to be fair, as penance for making the cigarette looks the cigarettes look cool in the Jamil episode, he did direct an episode where cigarettes are a tool used by aliens to make people go berserk. So. And also yes. space opium. I'm still so confused <laughs> <laughs> uh, about what that episode means. Um, anyway. Do we need to have another sit down at the table to talk about this? Oh, uh, yeah, clearly. Um, we should probably sit down at the table and talk about the next half of this story arc. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about uh, part two. Uh, uh, can I just real quick goes. do the... They're, they're both directed by Kazuo, uh, Kazuo Mitsuda. Uh, again, Boston and Peter episodes of Ultra Q. Nice. Um, and does, then, I think I think he does a good job here. Yeah. Uh, he's also Rascal from Outer Space, Don't Shoot Arashi, Loch Ness Monster, Dinosaur Base, uh, Pigmon Part 2. Uh, and then also this, these were both written by Tetsuo Kinjo. All time. wrote guy. a okay. lot of episodes this season. Yeah. Yes. Goddamn. All right. Ultra 7 basically loses the fight but the pedan's robot retreats for some reason uh the ultra guards start to prepare for the next attack while also keeping an eye on the fake out for the fake dorothy uh dan spots her from the top of a tower and rushes to confront her at sunset uh dan insists the pedan stop their their aggression and fake dorothy says it is only a reasonable response to earthling aggression an observation rocket they say observation with an aim to do what uh, humans history uh, humans have a history of greed and conquest and anyway now it's come this far humanity is building weapons to fight the pedan um dan realizes that there's some sense to this uh, but does not see such a violent response solving anything uh, he proposes they make the deal right here and now he will persuade the tdf to destroy their research into anti-pedan weapons and the pedan will leave earth alone fake dorothy agrees and offers to return the real Dorothy immediately as an as an initial show of goodwill. Now, at this point in the episode, I'm like, well, the rest of this writes itself, and it's really good. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's very obvious that this goodwill breaks down uh, because of you know the, uh, like fear of uh, inability to trust each other, and then there's like a tragic 
showdown at oh, the Oh, like end the Picasso episode. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, like a good episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Dan explains everything to the guard and everyone barring Anne, a uh, naive woman that she is, is a little suspicious of this offer. Uh, when Sunglasses Spy returns with the real Dorothy, like, yo, they actually returned her. Uh, don't mind that she doesn't respond to any questions. She's probably just tired, woman that she is. Uh, Dan is happy that this time uh, there can be peace. Uh, unfortunately, while the show is not called Ultraman, it's still Ultraman. Uh, the pieces are a trick, uh, and the Padan are on their way with an invasion fleet. We just get a shot of the interior of their ship of just, like, people with uh, just, a, like, vaguely alien-shaped heads uh, going, ah, they fell for our trick. I can't wait to conquer Earth. Look, it looks really nice down there. <laughs> looking like a fucking, like... If you've ever gone to, like, a bowling alley when they have, like, a like blacklight night or something, like, exact vibes. <laughs> and there's, like, a stupid, like alien throne in the center of it it's so fucking funny <laughs> it's re- it's real we don't want to we spent so much money on this robot we don't want to spend more money on the aliens vibe yeah just yeah. get some just get some cool lights shoot them in silhouette uh don't worry about what the aliens look like they're just dudes with like they, some they, horns they should have done this for the last episode to be honest yeah yeah anyway anyway uh yeah they want the earth uh, the robot attacks once again in the bay, and Ultra Seven is having a rough time fighting it. Uh, the guard needs the Ultra Guard needs Dorothy's knowledge of the Padan, uh, but it turns out the aliens wiped her memory, and she remembers nothing until you know five minutes later, and they run out of time in the episode, and she just remembers everything, including the weaknesses of, of uh, the Padan. Uh, I I think you're you're glossing over the part where they get her memory back via shock therapy. <laughs> oh, is that what they do? <laughs> yes. I think uh, I'd kind of they shocked a little the, bit. They shocked the memories back into her. Ooh, they've already they did that in Ultraman with Ide in the Zarab episode. They uh, got rid of his mental conditioning from Zarab by with shock therapy. Um, uh, that's a a weird well to keep coming back to. You know. Uh. Okay, so yeah, she shock therapy brings just back so, her memories. Just so you know, Anne, Anne was the one treating her. She did something. Anne was the one, yep. Anne did something. Um, she shocked the woman's cake, memories back. This cake will bring your memories back. Shut <laughs> the fuck up. <laughs> I can't hold this against Anne as a character, but I cannot see that woman without thinking of her, <laughs> her actor's uh, unhinged behavior later. Oh man! Uh, the guard deploys the ultra guard deploys a weapon that targets this weakness, and the robot is defeated. I keep calling it the guard like I'm in Ireland and referring to the cops <laughs> who are the well. The, to be fair, the guard. To be fair, yeah, I live there for a bit. Um, uh, Speaking of, actually, like, this is this is going back to the first episode but like a minor point that i think we we just didn't really touch on because it doesn't actually matter but uh when all of these people are being reported like all the visitors are being reported as killed everyone wants to investigate except for the captain who is like this we we deal with monster attacks we don't deal with like serial killers we we get over it but it's not this isn't our jurisdiction then immediately the news comes oh all of these people work for uh the fucking defense force he's like well it's our problem now yes (laughs) so so funny. funny Um, the Ultra Guard deploys a weapon that targets this weakness and the robot is defeated. Uh, the day is saved. Another alien, uh, murdered, uh, 
the end. Yeah, Dan uh, just shoots up, shoots their saucer, and then the alien fleet's like, ah, oh, fuck, turn around, bye. Yeah, uh, this episode, uh, widest gulf between strong between opening and ending for me i'm like like in terms of like uh the beginning of this story the coolest shit in the world and the ending is just like uh, what are we doing here i i i agree the one note i wrote for this episode is that while i appreciate that ultra 7 is getting a little more complex and layered with its plotting and like in- introducing multiple like subplots and stuff and, and just making the episodes a little more dense I felt like this one needed another editing pass. Um, it it just does not necessarily come together in the way that I think the setup... Like, the payoff is not as big as what the setup promises. Um, I, 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 I agree with you in that I think that there is a way to have written the aliens in this episode to make this, like, a genuinely, like, tragic, like the trust just falls apart thing and instead it's the aliens going <laughs> suckers and it's it's the worst yeah. for it um, uh, they even did an episode just like that yes and it was one of the best yeah. episodes of the show <laughs> so it, you know yeah um yeah yeah um, it's, it's the it's uh the difference between ultraman and ultra seven is uh that uh the Ultraman episode where Ultraman commits a genocide, we're like, uh, you have to watch this, it's unhinged. <laughs> and the Ultra 7 episode where they commit genocide, like, you have to watch this, it's, it's, it's like, sad. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I got a few notes on this one. Uh, on this two-parter. Uh, one, one uh, as I mentioned in the first episode um, of Ultra 7, Oh, uh, during the production history. For these two episodes specifically, for whatever reason, the normal suit actor guy, uh, Koji Uenchi, couldn't do these episodes, so they got a different guy, Eichi Kukuchi, instead. Uh, and apparently, just as a weird note, apparently kids notice, oh, he fights different in this episode, which is kind of funny. That's uh, fascinating. I would not like, have... Yeah, like, it's different in the mannerisms just a little bit. Like, it's interesting that different, different suit actors have different tics, and people can notice that. Cool. Shout outs to the kids. I I had no fucking idea. Yeah. Uh second, uh this robot uh, is called King Joe. <gasps> Let's oh. fucking go. I have I have I've been waiting for King Joe to show up. Yeah, he's a King Joe's a classic guy. Uh and he's also his name I think he I think he was named retroactively again cuz you know he has my name in this episode, but uh he's named in tribute to Tetsuo Kenjo interesting i oh, that's cool i have been waiting for king joe to show up because i i forgot to talk about this but when i was at that fighting game tournament and then i went to galloping ghost arcade they had a corner dedicated to tokusatsu games they had two godzilla games uh both of which sucked and then they had two ultraman games one of which yeah. was a fighting game that sucked one of them was a shmup where like i want to see the stage one or stage two boss was king joe and i was like I don't know who the fuck King Joe is, but I'm going to wait for him to show up now because I, yeah. I've been spoiled because of the shmup. Yeah. Um, King Joe, for any for any bad thing I have to say about this, the second part of this two-parter, King Joe is so good. Yeah. Uh, I'm sad I didn't recognize robot. him just based off of appearance because I've been looking forward to him. Also, again, using my same sources, the Alt- Altopia blog, apparently this, as a combining robot, predates Get a Robo, which is worth noting. 
Oh, oh hell shit. Yeah. I, I that's so funny because so, while I was watching this, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, they're calling it a super robot. Clearly, they're taking inspiration from Getter Row. Nope. Damn. Yeah. So I, I this may be the first combining robot, but I don't want to make a definitive statement on that. But it does predate Getter Robo, which is interesting. That's Damn. so fascinating. Also, just to note, uh, a, a, a couple months ago, I was trying to like looking through like credits of like old Capcom fighting games in the '90s, and there was this this one guy who I think is just like a big Ultra series fan because consistently mm-hmm. you're, I keep seeing like in some games, oh. There's a guy who calls himself Pigmon, and then in some games, this guy calls himself Garamon, and in some games, this guy calls himself King Joe. I'm like, okay, this must be the same guy. That's <laughs> yeah. funny. Uh, also, uh, I talked about this episode earlier in the week with, like, Triblast again, uh, and he gave me this funny story, which I'm going to send. How am I doing this? Hold on. Uh... Phones are annoying. Sending me Discord. Send to. It's because you'd be looking at that phone. I do. Yeah, so. Okay. Can I read this? (laughs) uh, Apparently, he. For context, he did this thing where, like. So, the fight with King Joe in the second episode takes place. At Kobe Harbor specifically, uh, and the the defense base where they're doing developing the bomb takes place uh, somewhere else. Uh, and okay. so, and so, he calculated the time it would take to get from the base oh to the Kobe <laughs> in real life. Uh. The mount is from the base is at Mount Rocco, uh, and the base is probably like deeper in Mount Rocco. And basically, the lab is twenty minutes up the mountain. Uh, so basically, it's like, oh yeah, based on this, we can conclude that Ultra Seven was fighting King Joe to six from sixty to one hundred and twenty minutes. <laughs> in I. God damn. This does remind me of something that did bother me during the episode is that Ultra Ultra 7 starts fighting this thing and like the the entire time that's happening the the subplot of getting Dorothy's memories back her being like we need to build a bomb them building a bomb and then them coming down even ignoring the real world logistics that is a lot of shit to have happen while Ultra 7 is fighting this thing and yeah. also just felt very like I wish that they maybe did another editing pass on the script. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is very oh, funny. The, the other thing that I wanted to mention about King Joe is, you know, obviously uh, difficult. It's a, it's a general thing. I, I can imagine it not being like a direct reference, but also uh, Hideaki Anno, known Ultra 7 liker. Um, uh, King Joe does the Asuka um, Ava unit. Uh, whichever it is that's hers in End of Ava lifting the ship up and throwing it <laughs> to shore. Oh shit! You know what? True. Um, True. It's cool. The fight, the fight in the harbor is very cool. I love the miniatures. It is. I will. I will give this episode that. Uh, when when they're in like like waist deep in the water, fight, uh, fighting, fighting. That's good. Yeah, it's good. Um, I wish the fight. I wish the fight was sadder because the the aliens weren't just evil again um 
All the aliens are evil. Sometimes the aliens don't have to be evil. It's fine. Yeah. The kids won't get that confused. I if I had if I had two wishes for the show and I we've talked about these before and I don't think I'm going to get them as yes. One, I wish the aliens weren't always evil. I know technically sometimes they are. Like we get a pigmon here and there, but you know. Uh, pigmons exist to be squished apparently and I wish that wasn't also the case. Um, I I hope Pigmon gets squished in every episode he's in. <laughs> every ultraman thing he's ever in i want him to get increasingly owned um in more brutal ways uh every episode that pigmon is in saw movie <laughs> oh no uh dark knight mains be like <laughs> owned owned um, uh, and then also yeah i i also i and i you know I feel like this could have maybe been a good episode for it, too. I do... I, I've complained before, and, like, this also was highlighted, you know, go listen to Skipping the Queue, Blazar, episode four. Um, I I wish that old Ultraman stuff would allow humanity to just, like, kind of be the bad guy more often, too, a little bit. I wonder um, if this part of this is why, like, uh, Age of Subraya was big on, like, Mighty Jack, because that's basically the show where it's like humans versus humans. Yeah, I God, I should check that out. It's not, you know what? I, I don't think it's sub. That's a thing. Oh, oh, oh bummer. F. Well, you know the other thing I was gonna do is I should I should fucking get around to Thunderbirds. You said you weren't going to as an experiment. I wasn't going to until we were done with Ultraman. Oh okay. Oh, that time has passed. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Let's go. <laughs> okay. Thunderbirds time. God, Thunderbirds is so fucking good. Anyway, um, the um, the other the other thing the other thing the the idea of this episode having uh like a like a human bad guy would be cool in terms of like you know the spy could just be a traitor could just be like a human who's just like yeah they've offered me a pretty good deal in like the the world that they're gonna create on Earth um that'd be good or even um, just like like someone in the defense force that's just like yeah i lied about getting rid of the weapons and then you know pissing off the aliens again even or, or, oh yeah like yeah, yeah, yeah. there are so but, many yeah, different routes from either side of this conflict to make the misunderstanding worse and like they're all equally tragic and they they picked what is maybe the most boring option <laughs> uh uh which is funny because uh, captain scarlet does open on like just complete complete misunderstanding um and like you know the oh uh, i don't cap, think cap, the aliens cap, are scarlet uh the roles are reversed <laughs> uh kind of um but uh certainly uh the aliens decide well uh you attempted to literally destroy us uh so i guess we're just not gonna stop until humanity's done that's it we're your punishment now um it which is very because captain scarlet opens with the aliens being like ah humanity has reached us they have a curiosity about the stars let me point this camera at them so that we can take a closer look and captain black from his weaponized rover is looking at this camera and goes that's a fucking gun and opens fire <laughs> me when i watch uh, ultra 7 episode 11 you you know who's yeah. really good at clearing up misunderstandings? Who? Fuamoko. You could put those oh, two in yeah. here. 
Yes. Holy shit. Yes. Solve the problem in five seconds. Misunderstanding. Welcome to Fuamoko Corner. Um, We didn't mean to launch an observation rocket (laughs) at the Dark Planet, but that... I'm so sorry to the non-VTuber people who listen to this podcast, of which I'm sure there are probably a lot. (laughs) I'm not a VTuber person. (laughs) I'm sorry to you as well. You should not have to deal with me and Red's bullshit. I have no sympathy. (laughs) Dark Knight Banes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Uh, Those two are pros. They're so good at their job. Um, Alright. Well. uh, Yeah. Kind of a downer week, I feel. A little, yeah. Oh yeah, also Um, the OP title card for Ultra 7 changed to paint. It did. I was... Uh, Now, I have known about this for a while because uh, my uh, files don't question how uh, I call discs, I call Blu-rays files. Uh, My files uh, have the the thumbnail on them has had a different color uh, from episode 14 onwards. And I've been like, I guess the opening changes. I I saw that and I was like, was it always like this or or am I see like am I remembering wrong? So I'm happy to get the confirmation. I could have gone back and checked, but it's funny as well. Um, I don't I don't uh, I don't know which I prefer, uh, but I'm you know you know either way it's fine. Either way, um, it would it would have been cool if every like uh, every thirteen like they they change it up. I know that's probably more effort than it's worth, but would have been neat. Yeah, it would. Then we could talk about like oh these are the blue episodes. <laughs> Categorizing uh, Ultra God, Seven by the color that of the would be cool. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Is the thing. Um, well, do we have anything more to say about oh, the Ultra God Go West? No. Uh, no, I do want. Okay, so we were wrong last time. Capsule countdown. Twelve episodes since. Yes. <laughs> are they? Are the capsule monsters going to appear next time? Uh, I am refraining. I'm going to say... I abstain. So I said yes last time about this batch of episodes. I'm going to say yes again. Eventually, I will be right. Uh, I can't... I've seen the next batch already, uh, so I can't answer. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Uh, Mel has watched ahead because she's going to be gone. Yeah, I still <laughs> yes. have to watch a bit more ahead, but yeah. Uh, I, um... I just think it's fascinating that they invented Pokemon without knowing it, and then they just proceeded to not use the Pokemon. <laughs> it's, just... Uh, it's just not been in the show. If Why? You know, I might, I might, I might try and do research so we can talk about that in the final episode, just so we have like more production stuff. Because that final episode also seems like a good time to talk about like the unmade episodes, because uh, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of those, and I'll try and uh, get some info. Yeah, every now and again with these shows, like, I feel like when we're looking at the production or just, like, even, like, me looking at the directorial and, like, writing stuff, I I hear these little whispers of, like, oh, episodes that didn't get finished or, like, weren't made, and it's like, damn. Yeah, like... What's cooking there? (laughs) Like, I'm not not to spoil anything, uh, and hopefully it will be something that we can actually cover, uh, but, like, I know that there's, like, a a thing that there's a dramatization of like a canceled unmade episode in the ultra seven. I loved that's just like, this didn't happen in real life, but because it was in the drama, it people assume this was actually true. 
which is okay. funny. <laughs> uh, hopefully we can talk about it in the future. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I will say, even though I feel like this is probably our weakest batch of Ultra 7 episodes so, so far, I would still probably take these over the weaker episodes at the beginning of Ultraman. Um, is the, it weaker than last week, you think? Because I feel like last week was kind of... What was... So what was I think this is... Week? I think this is weaker than last week for me, personally. Okay. Um, what were the episodes last week? Uh, Suspicious uh, Neighbor, uh, Dragon on the Mountain, uh, and with Alien illegal. Wild. Illegal. Illegal. The illegal one, <laughs> and and the illegal one with alien spell. Um, I was I was a much bigger fan of the dragon episode than you were, <laughs> and even then, I I think I like the dragon episode more than these three. Yeah, uh, I like. Um, See, here's the thing: I like the episode. I just didn't like the dragon. I fundamentally think that Melvin is the coolest thing that has been in Ultra Seven so far. Uh, <laughs> I, which I, I realize is a little unhinged. I keep thinking about his fishing pose. It's so good. Okay, who's who's a better fisher, Melvin or Blazer? Oh, ooh. Uh, I think Melvin. We don't need we don't I, need to pit two kings against each other. Okay, like true. Watch skipping the key, by the way. As long as Blazer, Blazer is good. Hmm. Um. No episode this week. Yeah. It, after the fact, just you know, recap it. <laughs> Yeah, it was a recap episode. Uh, I, I skimmed through it. Um, the framing was fine, but also it was it wasn't like it wasn't Duke Eek in the wig. So you know, remember that Macross episode? That's like maybe the most like oh, so that's good. the best like, recap episode they ever made. Yeah, it's Abs- just like why can't every recap episode be like this? Just a recap episode made by someone with a brain the size of Jupiter. It was so good. Yeah man yeah but you know not not everything can be the first 27 episodes of macross no unfortunately most of macross is also not the first 27 episodes of macross <laughs> some have left entire <laughs> industries because of this <laughs> yeah, yeah oh man okay uh, well i think we have an email were you gonna way. say something oh we have an email shoot yeah Good we, we're, I'm just want to confirm. Are we we're done talking about Ultra Seven? Yeah, I think so. Like, yeah, we said, we're we're done. Done. Right. for yeah, we're return done. of Ultraman next <laughs> week. Fuck Jesus! <laughs> Red needs um. to get the Blu-rays. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Uh, yeah. So I got him. Another email by Sidrixar. Uh, yeah. Uh, they say, glad we're liking Ultra 7. We're about to hit the real good stretch of episodes, in their opinion. Uh, they also glad that we like the song that we place at the end of the episode. It's a fucking good song. <laughs> uh, there are a few other songs released this series. Uh, one song is about being a manly man. In the Ultra Guard, one is about a bunch of kids leaking classified documents. <laughs> Yo! Holy shit. The kids are alright. Uh, guess which is our favorite of those two <laughs> automatically. Uh, apparently, there was an alternative OP that almost made it in, um, which. Uh, they sent to me but apparently there was like a competition and like the one that we got in the show 
one out between the two, I guess. But they still find like places to put an instrumental version of the, of the other OP. Uh, I will... Maybe. You know what? I will use this... At, maybe I'll use this at the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, they, they just gave me a list. They just gave me a video on their channel with a lot of Ultraman songs. Because their YouTube channel is just like basically compiling OPs and music from Toku stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I might pick out the... Um, I don't know which one is... OP. I don't know which one is which, but maybe it says in the description stuff. Okay. I will I will see if I can figure it out and uh, use it for the end of the episode. Uh, uh, that sounds cool. They mentioned, they, the show has got... Seven has got to dubbed dub twice. Uh, once in Hawaii, because that, you know, lots of Japanese people in Hawaii. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's another one by TNT... Uh, which is the whose footage will be used in Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Uh, okay. that, that, that was the that was the TNT dub was the basis of like the Frankenstein version of episode 12 we watched. Oh, I see. Yes, yes, yes. Wait, Ultra 7 stuff was on Space Ghost? Apparently. Uh, they say specifically season 2 episode 10 uh... Time to edit a, a note into episode zero where you said you've never seen anything about Ultra. I was about to say, I think I may have seen Ultra 7 stuff before. <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently in that episode, the Mystery Science Theater guy riffs on Clips of Seven. Oh, God, I've probably seen it then. I'm going to, you know, I, I might track that down and re- Well, okay, maybe the... I don't want to spoil myself. It might, it might be episodes it, we haven't seen. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So... I, when we're done, I'll check back in and see uh, see if I've seen Ultra 7 stuff before without having known it was Ultra 7 stuff. Yeah, there's some stuff about, like, post-7 stuff. Uh, I'll just touch on it briefly. Uh, they come up with a weird retcon for why Ultra 7 doesn't have a color timer. Uh it basically comes down to, oh, he was not supposed to be an actual warrior, <laughs> uh, so they never gave him one. And the oh, that'll be why he's not like permanently, permanently trying to kill people. Yeah, a uh, bit of a you know, feels like a half-assed thing, which is what they say, like half-assed thing. I, for some um, reason, this is like a thing I know. Like, isn't Ultra Seven supposed to be more of like a reconnaissance person? I'm not sure how much. I it feel plays. like I've heard this before and i do i do not know why i know this i don't know he has he has got the fancy helmet he like, did the he's got the fucking uh bungie gave him the fucking recon yeah. helmet i don't know it's that's more on like side material stuff it's not in show stuff as much and i'm curious like what happens in future stuff because you know we'll see in the future um all of the earliest video games in the 80s of the Ultra series are all basically about Ultraman 66 and Ultra 7. Uh, the 70s shows get fucked. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's some side-scrollers. There's the PC strategy game. Uh, apparently some some Famicom discuss some games are like sequels to the show. Uh, Ultra 66 2D fighting arcade game on the Super Famicom and Mega Drive. Uh, and Ultra 7 getting a similar Gang, a game that's basically the same game with a skin swap. Mm-hmm. Did you say that one was arcade first? That might have been the one I played. Maybe, but it's just a fighting game, but like not a yeah. Um, 
I played whatever it was I played at Galloping Ghost. It was like this weird. It was like a traditional kind of 2D fighting game thing that didn't play great. But then also, too, you needed to to like you needed to kill after you got the enemy's life bar down to zero. It The fight didn't end. You had to fill up like your ultra gauge and then do a finishing move. Yeah. But I couldn't figure out how to do it. So was I just like stopped game? playing. Was it a 3D game? No, it was it was it was like two D sprite based like fighting side like okay. Street Fighter style. No, I mean like with the graphics. Oh yeah, you said sprite, so yeah, yeah, yeah. sprite, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they also mentioned the first two Ultraman games were early microcomputer titles uh, for a computer called the Bandai RX seventy eight, which is a oh that's an interesting name. Oh my fucking god! I never knew that that was a thing that existed. That's hilarious. Uh. This is a 3D pseudo 3D game where you fly around and defeat kaiju. The other is called Ultraman for the MSX, where you, in their words, quote unquote, fight kaiju. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Origins. Uh, a, they also mentioned, uh, just for our own reference, and I don't know how we're going to do this thing anyway, but we'll see because it's not out yet anyway, that the Ultra 7 short film. That's like an alternate based on episode six. Um, they have seen the trailer and said that's they also ties into stuff from like future in the show. Uh, but by the time the thing comes out, we'll be fun down with the show anyway. So we'll figure it out probably. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know how we'll do it. That I don't know how we'll figure out how to do that thing. But you know, we'll figure it out. Uh, and yeah, that's that's all they have for now. Thank you, as always. Yeah. Um, very thorough emails. I will be going. Th- I'll be see if I can track down that unused OP. Yeah. Let me. Uh, let me. Maybe. Either I'll be tacking it. I'll be using it as the OP for this episode or the ED. <laughs> That'd be cute. Let me. I can't call it an ED. It's uh, this is not. This is a podcast. This is not an anime. <laughs> no, our lives are anime. Our lives are anime. Okay, which ever one? since ever since I committed to the Twitter bit of my name is Rosenbrand, then in parentheses what arc I'm on. Okay, it's changed my outlook on life. Yeah. Uh all right. Well, we can go into plugs. Uh, you can follow the show at ultra underscore q on Twitter. Uh, we still we're. St- I think we're sticking with Twitter for now um, until, you know, somewhere seems like it's genuinely like there are more people there. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not wasting a blue sky invite on our podcast yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. I probably could. I think whenever I'm due for another one. <laughs> um, and uh, if you want to follow me, I'm at gender underscore redacted on Twitter. That's still, I'm, that's still my one. That's, that's still where I am. Um, they're gonna have to literally push me out the door <laughs> to get me off. Uh, Mel, uh, you can follow me on Twitter and the other sites at Dear Crowns. Um, we have a YouTube, AltQ. We have an email, AltQPod at gmail.com. We have a coffee, AltQ Fund, which is for the subs, media acquisition stuff. Uh, like you know, the Ultra Seven I loved. Which I acquired, and now needs subs. Rosin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Rosin Brand everywhere. That's YouTube, Twitter, co-host, Blue Sky. Uh, 
hopefully I can do things again soon. But then I'm going to be going on that weekend trip with friends, so maybe not. I don't know. Life is life is busy for me right now. <laughs> me too, because I'm not going to be here the next two episodes. What a, I wouldn't go anywhere. I was about to say, what an eventful <laughs> summer for all of us. But <laughs> the, the Empire once united, plus the fight once again. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, sick. Uh, that's an episode. Uh, tune in next week uh, for hopefully some bangers from Ultra Seven. Um, counting on you. Who can say? Uh, who can say? Uh, yeah, you could. <laughs> <laughs> um, join us next week. It'll be. It'll just be me and Razen. Uh, next week. Uh, we'll manage. Uh, we'll get by. Um, one of us will have to check the email just to see if there are any emails in. Um, At least you'll have a backup this time in case. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. Well, uh, goodbye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Surprise!